So today I want to talk to you about turning defeat into victory. Can I do that? Turning defeat into victory. So um, we're in this narrative of the book of Joshua, right? We're connecting the dots chronologically through each chapter and each theme. Last week we talked about that worship always what? Wins, right? Okay, come on, we're listening now. And we talked about the walls of Jericho now coming down. You know, I like the book of Joshua. It's a battle book. Come on. The book of Joshua is a man's kind of book where your testosterone just rises and you just want to punch somebody in the face. That's the kind of book Joshua is. I always recommend it for men. So here's my question to you this morning. Is how many of you have ever faced defeat before? Every hand should be up. Come on. How many of you ever faced defeat before? There's this man named Tom McGinnahan. He's the CEO of Domino's Pizza. And his father died at the age of four. His mother couldn't deal with the stress of having a family. So she ends up giving his, uh, her son away to an orphanage, and he stays there for six years. He ended up wanting to be a priest, so he gets expelled from seminary for talking and fighting, um, pillow fighting, and talking in chapel. I think that's just funny. He was 44th out of 44 in his class. And the caption of his yearbook had this, the harder I try to be good, the worse I get. But I may do something sensational yet. Now we fast forward. With only $15 in his pocket, he hitchhikes from San Diego to Michigan. Here he would borrow only $900 to buy some failing pizzeria. And there he would work over 100 hours a week. He simplified the message. He put certain standards on the ingredients. And he offered 30-minute or less delivery, which is not true now. They come way later. He would purchase more stores with the same business culture, and today, 15,000 stores later, would become one of the largest food franchises in the world. Today, I just want to let you know that your personal setbacks will become your greatest comebacks. Come on, your personal setbacks will become your greatest comebacks. Though people looked at him as defeated, though he was an orphan, he said, I'm going to change my circumstance. So today, this morning, I want to give you three battle strategies for successful comeback. Can I do that to you this morning? Can I teach you something this morning? That you can apply this to any area of your life, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're in ministry or hoping to go into ministry. Three battle strategies for successful comeback. And here's the key that I want you to grasp here this morning is that you can either be passive in defeat or more aggressive in victory. You can be passive in defeat. You can just lay there and just take it or you can be aggressive in victory. Battle strategy number one. You ready for this ride? Confidence without commitment leads to captivity. Confidence without commitment leads to captivity. Let's look at Joshua chapter 7. But the people of Israel broke faith. Say that with me, broke faith. 
in regards to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zebdi, son of Zareph, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things. And the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel. And he said to them, go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and they spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and they said to him, do not have all the people go up. But let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. Now let's just remember, Joshua is coming from this high of battle. He's feeling big and bad. He just conquered Jericho. And now this is the second assault going into the promised land. But right from the beginning, Israel breaches trust with God. They ended up taking the devoted things when they should have destroyed it in the first place that really belonged to God. And who's the culprit? Achan. Achan's name means trouble. Imagine naming your child trouble. Hey, trouble, come over here. You're in trouble. That don't sound right, but that's the way it is. So what does Achan do? He keeps a portion of the spoils of war for himself. You see, God wanted to distinguish Israel from the other nations. He didn't want them to be this nation, a pirate nation that just satisfied their desires for private wealth. He wanted them to be different. God says, I will be with you as long as you don't believe like they do. As long as you don't mimic the same things that they do. As long as you listen to me, you're going to experience success. But sometimes past successes dictate your future actions. Forty years before, we see the spies doing the same exact thing with Moses. You see, every battle needs some fresh grace. Every battle that you go through needs some fresh revelation. And Joshua here, he fails to see this. But one man's action becomes a corporate responsibility. They shared life together. They did everything together. So we sometimes, we get this false idea that we can obtain success alone in church. It doesn't happen like that. Joshua 7 verse 4. So about 3,000 men went up there from the people and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Shebram and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Let me tell you something here this morning. You will not be able to stand against your enemy until you deal with the sin inside of you. You know, growing up in Brooklyn... There were almost fights every single day. You go to the bodega, there was a fight there. You go to play some basketball outside, somebody is slapping somebody up. So I can recall a time where I was actually, um, I got into a little altercation. I'm calling it a little altercation with this guy because he thought that his girlfriend liked me, right? Because I was like tall, young, strapping, Puerto Rican, uh, rock looking, you know, uh, yeah. Like a, like, a, like a George Clooney, you know what I'm saying? But the Puerto Rican Spanish version. And um, so I would walk around like a peacock, right, showing I was the tallest one in my class all the time. 
I thought I was the man. I was at the height and the pinnacle of everything until one fateful day when I'm walking down the street and I see the kid, right, but he's there with a gang of people. Like, must have been like 10 other kids. So I'm there, and I'm looking at him. He's looking at me, and I'm like, man, I'm about to get messed up right now. But my confidence level melted. I was so timid after that. But how many could thank God for abuelas and grandmothers out there? Because my grandmother was standing right next to me, and it was like she was in a fight. And she was about to throw down and say, you ain't going to touch my grandson. Don't mess with her. With a Latin grandma. Let me just tell you that right now. So I learned this. That you can either be going into battle or you're coming out of one. But it's your commitment that counts. Come on, church. Israel thought that they were so great. They were so big and bad coming out of this victory from Jericho. But greatness is not a function of your circumstance. But it's a matter of your connectedness and your discipline. The defeat of AI, it describes the dangerous, destructive effects of sin in your life. It challenges the false assumption about easy victories. You can write this down, but Philippians 1.6 says this. Being confident of this. What are we confident of? Ourselves? How big we are? How much money in our bank account? How many accolades maybe we have? No, What does being confident mean? Being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Some of you are confident in the wrong things. It's trying to change your understanding and say, God, I want to be committed and confident in the one who holds my tomorrow. Battle strategy number two, lack of prayer expresses and declares independence from God. Lack of prayer expresses and declares independence from God. Let's look at verse 6. Then Joshua tore his clothes and he fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To give us into the hands of the Amorites? To destroy us? Would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs? Say that with me. Turned their backs before their enemies. You know, in the original language, that word turn there means to turn about or over. It means to change or to overturn. You know, Joshua is is not only devastated at what happened, he is humiliated and he's playing the blame game on God. You see, he listened rather to the report of the spies instead of devoting himself to God and preparing the people physically, emotionally, and spiritually. If Joshua would just have taken a little time to pray. How many times in the morning we just rush, right? God, I ain't got no time for that. I don't got no, no, no time because I got to get ready for work. I got to brew my, my Bustelo coffee. I got to get that right. I got to get the kids ready. I got to brush my teeth. For some of you who don't brush the teeth, I got to brush my teeth. I got to get ready. Then I got to get the car on. God, when am I going to find time to pray? 
But if Joshua would have understood that if he just taken those few moments to listen to the counsel of God, that it would have revealed that there was sin in the camp. So here's the question. Do we sometimes take matters into our own hands? You know, one of the biggest setbacks is the neglect of prayer and consecration. But I want to tell you something this morning, church, that the things we neglect will lead us to a place of regret. Failure to pray makes us insensitive to sin. Failure to pray desensitizes us to sin. You cannot expect a God-sized victory with a defeated prayer life. It doesn't happen like that. When Hannah was infertile and couldn't have children, she was laughed at, she was ridiculed, but she prayed and gave birth. Peter was put into prison for preaching the gospel, but the church prayed and an angel breaks open the prison doors, setting him free. Hezekiah was on his deathbed when the prophet Isaiah told him he was going to die, but he prayed and God granted him 15 more years of life. Elisha was surrounded by a massive army ready to be captured, but he prayed and God blinded the entire army and a ring of fire surrounded him and protect him. Can I keep going, church? Joshua on the night of his betrayal, I mean Joshua, Jesus on the night of his betrayal, moments away from experiencing one of the most horrific deaths, but he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. I can just hear Elijah singing right now in that moment. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you, right? This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Come on. This is how I fight my battles. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, the battle still belongs to the Lord, but we still have to put in the work. Battles are one on your knees, church. Joshua 7, 10. The Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? See, God is trying to change Joshua's perspective. He's trying to change his understanding of why the defeat happened. So basically he's saying that if you're not leading, then you're repeating. If you're not leading, you're repeating. Remember 40 years ago that you wandered in the wilderness? He is saying here to change your posture, Joshua. The word here to get up means just that. Change your posture. In order for you to see the promise, you've got to correct your posture. Too many defeated Christians are walking down like this. And when people come in that want to know who God is, oh, Jesus is great. He's good. I love me some Jesus. He is so good. Oh, yeah, because you don't look like he's good. But my, my, my posture, oh, I've been going through this struggle all week. I've been hurting. Oh, you don't know my pain. You don't know my struggle. I'm telling you right now, God wants you to change your posture. And he wants you to be erect because you are a son and a daughter of the house. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Stop looking so defeated. Turn your defeat into victory. Change your posture. 
God says it again the second time. Joshua 7.13, get up. Get up. Consecrate the people. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things among you. You know, God is now charging Joshua right now to proceed and sanctify and consecrate the people. So how is this done? It's interesting here how God ends up doing it. Um, he does a process of elimination, and he does it one tribe by one tribe in order to find out who the culprit is. Now, why does God do that? Couldn't God just say, you know what, I'm going to pick you Achan because I know that you are the one that stole the devoted things. But he doesn't do that. God does not do that. Which tells me this, that he wanted the people to be so awakened of their involvement in the sin committed. He wanted them to understand that it's a joint effort. It's a joint effort. So what are the things that are holding, that you're holding on to? that need to be purged this morning. Battle strategy number three. Disobedience deters from your destiny. Disobedience deters from your destiny. Here's Joshua talking to Achan. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shiner, 200 shekels of silver. We don't say shekels anymore, right? Thank God for that. And a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. Then I coveted them and I took them and see they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. You know, Achan only confesses when he gets caught. Hello. Come on. I know by the sound of that, that that has happened to many of you people here. Husbands blaming your kids. It wasn't me. It was the kids, babe. I swear. It was the dog. He, he did it. He broke the whatever. You know, what's funny is that, um, you know, not that it's, it's funny, but like, you know, I, I go through that a lot in my household. But thank God I have two kids and a dog. So I have three options right there. <laughs> my wife was like, no, no, you didn't. Yo, sin's going to find you out. <laughs> Joshua is speaking. You know what's funny? The, the tone of Joshua here is like a father speaking to a child. I think some of you need to hear that this morning. Because some of you, maybe you've just been just chastised so much in your life and just talked down to so much in your life that it's caused you to just be in a defeated posture. And some of you, you need that father's embrace. Some of you, you need that. I didn't grow up with my father, so I understand exactly what you're going through. But some of you need to hear that this morning, that there's a father that loves you, that he is speaking to you, that he wants to embrace you. He wants to hold on to you and never let you go. This is the way Joshua is speaking to Achan. The sin that is committed was against God and it's affecting the entire community. So that tells me this, that there is no such thing as sinning alone. There is no such thing as sinning alone. When you hurt, I hurt. 
You don't believe me? Romans chapter 5 verses 17 says just that. With the first Adam that sinned and now death entered into this scene, you can tell that somebody is defeated by their posture. A life of disobedience will lead to a place of defeat. You know, the root of his sin, of Achan's sin, can be found in what he stole. He stole three things. A beautiful robe from Babylon, which is an example of pleasure. 200 shekels of silver, which meant prosperity. And 50 shekels of gold, which meant power. Pleasure, prosperity, and power. How many of those are we chasing here this morning? We're chasing after the pleasure. We're chasing after the, po the power. The more Instagram followers I have, the stronger I become. No. No. Stop that. <laughs> Prosperity, if it, it has to be in my bank account. Man, I remember going to the store with food coupons and I thought I was prosperous at that moment. Look at me. I got a food coupon. I'm about to change this and do. If you don't know about food coupons, talk to me later. How many times have we hoarded possessions out of necessity or lack? You know, we need to learn to let this go. Some of you are reservoirs rather than rivers. Come on. Some of you are holding things in. I need to be prosperous. I need to be powerful. That power doesn't belong to you anyway. You need to be a river and let it out so that others may enjoy who Christ is in you. Achan couldn't see that. He was blinded by that. He couldn't see that if it's God's possession, it's God's problem. We must work this morning from a position of strength rather than a position of strain. Some of you are going after the wrong things. Hebrews 5.8 says this, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. I like what C.S. Lewis says. He says, failures are finger posts on the road to achievement. So here's my question. What category does your obedience fall under? But we just can't stop there, church, because there's a chapter 8 among us. Come on now. Chapter 8, verse 1 to 2 says this. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not, be, do not fear and do not be dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you and arise, go up to see Ai. See, I have given into your hands the king of Ai and his people and his city and his land. And you shall do to Ai and his king as you did to Jericho and his king. Some of you are still stuck in chapter 7. Some of you are in defeated mode. I can't go further, pastor. It's just a struggle. But God is calling you out of chapter 7. And he's calling you to chapter 8 that say your past is not going to dictate your future. You're going to move from glory to glory by my strength, by my obedience, by my confidence when you pray. You need to choose your battles. I'm going to repeat that again. 
you need to choose your battles. Some of you are in battles that you don't belong to. Some of you are fighting someone else's battles that you have no business fighting. Some of you are fighting things that you don't even have the strength or the capacity to handle. But sometimes your battle chooses you. And here I want you to understand this, that the nature of your battle determines the nature of your strategy. Chronicles chapter 20 verse 17 says this. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Man, what a promise, isn't that? So what does a victorious life look like? There's a song called, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. We got any old timers in the house here that know that song? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning. I ain't going to hit that high enough for you. You're going to have to wait till next week. But there's a story behind that song. During this time... There was a revival in Wales, England, known as the Welsh Revival. It was over 100 years ago. And as a result of that revival, many missionaries came uh, from England to the northeast end of India. And one of those missionaries shared the gospel with one of the most violent tribes in India that actually would sever the heads of people as a sign of strength. You got to be bold. I thought Brooklyn was tough. I mean, you just got to be bold to just go there. But the missionary ends up going, and he succeeds in converting a man, his wife, and his two kids. So the word got out to the chief about this man converting to Christianity. And he drags out the family to the middle of the square, and he says to them, you are going to renounce this newfound faith the husband replies to the chief I have decided to follow Jesus no turning back the chief was so enraged that he ordered the archers to shoot down his two kids as they lay there on the floor the chief asked him again will you deny your faith the husband replies, don't none go with me, I still will follow, no turning back. The chief orders the archers now to shoot at his wife. So his wife and his two kids are on the floor and he asks him one last time, I will give you one more opportunity to deny your faith. The husband looks at him in the eyes with tears rolling on his eyes. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. The chief orders him shot. 
But the chief questions himself and says, why should this man and his wife and his children accept a faith that is 2,000 uh, years away from a Jesus coming on this scene in a country that's nowhere near here? I want this power. I want this supernatural power that this husband and family has. And as a result, the entire family and the entire tribe accepts Jesus into their life. The Welsh Revival saw over 100,000 people come to Christ in a span of just two years. Just two years. You know what revival looks like, church? Revival is renouncing your past and realizing who holds your future. Revival is committing to the battle plan when the plan may not be what you expected. Revival is putting down gaff tape. Revival is holding a welcome sign. Revival is welcoming people. Come on, church. Are you with me here this morning? That's what revival looks like.